Your spouse can threaten to leave. Your children can stop talking to you. You can even lose your job. And the addiction is treated as more important. Your cravings rule your behavior. No more. We're looking at the cold, hard truth today. You keep this behavior going and you're the only one who will stop it. Hello, Wellness Warriors. Welcome to Mind Blowing Health and Wellness with Violet. I'm Violet, your keto psychologist. The reason I make these videos is to help you to understand that your mental health and physical health coming together create that overall sense of well-being. If you're working on this kind of thing, subscribe because I make new videos every week. And tell a friend about the video. Reacting so violently to the I will never drink again thought to me sounded so overboard. But now I think I understand. See, I remember on my way home from CIGEP, which is the school you go to before university in Quebec, stopping at the store to buy a chocolate bar. And that hit of sugar that I was getting on the way home five days a week became part of my routine. Looking back, I remember adding it to my weekend as well. So now it was seven days out of seven. I'm having a chocolate bar. Now, I also remember trying to be efficient in my money because, you know, student, I was would buy the four pack instead of buying just one chocolate bar every day, trying to be efficient with my money. And the question now becomes, did the four pack ever actually last four days? And then at some point I'd realize that it's kind of crazy that I'm having a chocolate bar every day and I get annoyed with myself. And then I would go weeks without having any chocolate, but I would still have other carbohydrate things. Just put the chocolate down. But eventually I'd always go back, you know, maybe Easter would happen or Christmas or how Valentine's day or whether I was in a relationship or not, or, you know, some Halloween, some occasion would come up where having chocolate is normal. And I'd say, Oh, I'm just going to have one. And next thing you know, I was on that roller coaster again. I have to, I have to be honest with you. I hated Easter by the end of my carbohydrate life. Easter was always the time of year where I knew that there would be sales that would happen starting from the month before Easter all the way through to months after Easter when they're trying to get rid of that chocolate that Violet's going to be eating too much chocolate. And the worst part about it is that I would know, I would know that, you know what, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be eating this. And like that conversation in my head versus am I still actually eating it was happening. So what's kind of weird looking back on it is that all the time that this chocolate thing was happening, I was at a normal weight. I was, not not wanting to eat the chocolate because of weight it was more the sense of like i didn't feel in control of what i was doing and i you know as i look back on my life today and maybe i would say even in my in my 20s i realized that the chocolate issue started well before seizure i remember being a little kid so too young to go to the store by myself and we didn't have chocolate bars in the house and I would remember either making hot chocolate or chocolate milk, or sometimes even just eating the chocolate powder because I needed to have a hit of chocolate. So really early on, I was addicted to chocolates seemingly specifically, but I mean, I say seemingly specifically, again, there were other carbohydrate heavy things that I had access to and I did eat, right? We always had some kind of snack, but I had a tendency towards chocolate. And it's that tendency towards chocolate that I really started to notice in Seja. Like I said, I think that was the first time I ever really understood how much I disliked Easter for the cheap abundance of chocolate available, not to mention Easter 
is a time where people give you chocolate. So addiction pushes us to do extreme things to get our drug. If you think about it, like when you first start drinking, okay, so I'm, not, I'm assuming that you're not alcoholics, but if you think about it, anyone that you know who is an alcoholic or who drinks excessively, when they first started drinking, they were not drinking excessively. They just seemed to like to drink and they seemed to like to have fun. Eventually, for those people who know the alcoholic well, so know them intimately, they start to understand that they're not drinking for fun and they're not drinking for social. They're drinking to drink. They're drinking to escape. They're drinking out of control. And even if they don't want to drink, they do. And this is something that's really interesting. Again, those people that are close to the alcoholic, who know the alcoholic, even if drinking is causing them financial burden, even if drinking is causing them marital problems, problems with their friends, problem with their health, they drink. Even if they don't remember what they did the previous day, they drink. Even if they're putting their children in danger, they drink. So we could clearly see that they're out of control. But that's not us, right? We're not addicted to sugar, right? Do you want to weigh less? Do you have metabolic issues to solve? Do you have pain like I did? Are you ashamed of the way you look? Maybe you have a hard time buying clothes and finding things to fit you. Are you too tired to play with your children? Are you too tired to get through a typical workday? Are you too tired and have trouble climbing the stairs? Are you too embarrassed to undress in front of your spouse? What are some of the signs that we're getting out of control? Are you lying about what you're eating? Right? Maybe you stop on the way home and buy things to eat and you finish them before you get home and then turn on you eat at home. Right? I remember I used to eat, buy the chocolate and finish it. Nobody knew how much chocolate I was eating. Do you eat when you're not hungry? Again, I would eat chocolate, I would eat chips, I'd eat cookies when I wasn't hungry. Are you doing that to the point that possibly when you're done eating whatever you ate, you're uncomfortable? I remember eating chocolate to the point that I'm like, ugh. And guess what? Did it again the next day. Are you thinking about food all the time? Maybe it's breakfast you're already thinking about lunch or supper. Is like food top of mind? That's what happens to us when we're addicted. The addictive thing stays top of mind, almost like it's haunting us all the time. And then you're constantly, if not snacking, thinking about snacking because you're thinking about food all the time, right? It goes hand in hand that if I think about food, I'm going to go get it. Is everything a reason to eat? So you're happy. We celebrate with food. We're upset. We console ourselves with food. There's a gathering. Yay, there's going to be food. Nothing else to do. I'm bored. I'm going to go get some food. Do you see every situation as an opportunity to eat something? Do you plan your day around food, right? Making, oh, I can't go there because I, that's lunchtime or I can't do that, but oh, that's supper time. Do you make sure and maybe even plan your vacations around food? So like, oh, I'm going to go there because they have that restaurant or, or, or making sure that wherever we are going to visit has specific things that I know I'm going to want to eat. And what happens if you don't get access? Do you become excessively upset if you can't get something to eat? You get hangry, as they like to call it, even though maybe you're not even hungry, but just like you need to eat that thing, right? That craving is hitting you hard. Maybe you need that chocolate bar or fat bomb if you're doing keto. If you don't get it, 
If you don't get that taste of sweet, your entire mood could change. Now you're cranky with your family, or your friends, or just miserable by yourself. This changes your entire mood. You know, I really thought the AA model was a bit over the top until I actually stopped and looked at what being addictive actually means. Because in the AA model, it says you put it down, you walk away from it, and you just focus on other things. And alcohol is one of the few places where you can actually do that. You could just put it down and say, you know what, there's no real reason I ever have to drink alcohol again. And it's the truth, there isn't. There's no real reason that anyone ever has to touch alcohol ever again. I put it down, I walk away, it's over. And that model is harder to apply to food because you can't just say, well, I'm never eating again. But what you can apply it to is specific foods. Because you could put down potatoes. I have done that. You can put down bread. I have done that. You can put down pasta. I have done that. And rice. And right, there's a lot of things that we can put down because they're unnecessary. Now, the truth is, you could put down all carbohydrates if you really wanted to and live a carnivore lifestyle. You actually could do that. But the bigger point is this. When you put down the addictive substance, the substance that's causing you problems, so whether it's alcohol, whether it's some kind of hard drug, or whether it's carbohydrates, when you put it down, then it's not there pushing you to get it. So the interesting thing about carbohydrates, though, is that the level that you need to put it down to is 20 grams. 20 grams is not a lot in the course of a day. But at the same time, it's a heck of a lot, depending on where you get your 20 grams from. We are so used to eating 300 grams of carbohydrates a day that 20 grams seems like nothing. But the flip side of the coin is, if I only allow myself to have 20 grams of carbs, it doesn't engage that dopamine reaction. It doesn't engage that craving system that puts me on the roller coaster where all I want to do is eat carbohydrates. Addiction is not immediate for many substances. For example, if you're new to alcohol and you have one drink, you're not going to be addicted right away. However, if you're new to alcohol and you allow yourself to engage with alcohol repeatedly and routinely, you will become addicted. Uh, cocaine, you could be addicted the first time you touch it. Carbohydrates are interesting. It seems in our history, engaging with carbohydrates wasn't addictive right away. And we can tell that because prior to 1970s, most people were not overweight. Most people did engage with carbohydrates, but the focus of meals was on protein and fat. So it seems like carbohydrates can be eaten normally, but when you feel like you need to have them, when you feel that you're being pushed to get them, then there's a problem. So in fact, what we're trying to do is solve for that feeling. So those cravings of needing the substance, carbohydrates in this story. And the way that we accomplish this is very simple. We stop engaging with them or we diminish them to the point where they're not at addictive levels. If you diminish your carbohydrate intake under 20 grams, that apparently for most people are not addictive levels. However, if at 20 grams, you still find yourself feeling pulled towards them, diminish it more. Now, I'll tell you, I've diminished mine more. Why? Because I've noticed that if I keep myself anywhere near to 20, I still can be pulled there. I still get that little feeling like, oh, I could do, I could have something. But when I took myself down to like 15 or less, I don't have that feeling anymore. I haven't had that feeling in months. 
right? The truth is now on a very regular basis, I don't even care if there's carbohydrates on my plate. I don't chase that. Does it mean that I don't eat carbohydrates? Of course I do. And especially when Patrick and I eat together, of course, there are carbohydrates on my plate, probably 20 grams worth of carbohydrates on my plate. How often does that happen? It's not every day of the week. I want you guys to put yourself in the position of understanding that as soon as I know what I'm addicted to and I take an active decision to minimize that addiction, I will control my cravings. That AA model works. If I don't engage the addictive substance at addictive levels, then I will not have cravings. So this process of keeping the, the, the carbohydrates out of your life absolutely takes care of the physiological piece of the puzzle. If I don't eat them, I'm not having that dopamine reaction. I'm not having the hormonal reaction that says, get more, Violet, get more. If I don't eat them, those endorphins are not pulling me. That takes care of the physiological part. Watch part two to understand how to get the psychological part under control. I want to thank you for watching Mind-Blowing Health and Wellness with Violet. Share this video so that everybody can get that physiological part under control. I love making these videos for you guys and I can't wait to talk to you again next week.